There's an historic battle going on now across the West, in Europe, America, and elsewhere. We have been sold this meme of Islamophobia. Total and complete shutdown. This is all wrong. We have to be able to criticize bad ideas. So you don't believe in equal pay? No, I'm not saying that at all. There's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it. Because a lot of people listening to you will just say, I mean, are we going back to the That's because they're actually not listening. Hi guys and welcome back to Illuminating Taboo. So today's episode is all about privilege. Um, In the media, it's constantly missed out that there is a spectrum of privilege. So in this episode, we really wanted to kind of drill in what privileges we have and what we can be grateful for um, and the elements where we're less privileged. So this is a really nice debate actually and we do kind of want to encourage the world to say what they're privileged about and what they're not privileged about so we can understand each other more. Because if we only focus on the one kind of privilege that that one person has and the one that one other the other one has, it's like focusing on the one thing that sets us apart and bids us against each other. And that's kind of what the media really does well. Um, and I think the work of undoing that feels uncomfortable. And that's why a lot of people don't even have these conversations because it is very easy to dismiss a whole other group. And um, so in this episode, I think what we do really well is find a way to kind of um, align these ideas because nobody is wrong and nobody is right. There's always a gray area that everyone can sit at and, and there's lots of reflection that can be had there. So I hope you enjoy it and stay tuned. Without further ado... Hello, and welcome back to the Illuminating Taboo podcast, a conversational safe space for philosophizing taboo topics to bring them to the open so you don't have to repress them. My name is Cassandra Boom. (laughs) And I am Lucy Barnes. And together we make up a great conversational team because we don't always agree, which is kind of why we like each other. And we love these conversations. So we're happy to dance in discomfort if you're willing to do so as well. And today's topic is going to be on privilege. Which tends to be a buzzword these days, but I would love for you to give us um, something to work off of. So what's your definition that you found? Um, So the main definition used is a specific right over or advantage over a particular group. Um, So I think in modern day, privilege is assessed um, largely on class. However, in We're speaking in June 2020, and now um, white privilege is something that is surging as well. Um, But this is the thing that interests me and casts most, because the word privilege, even though that's the definition, it has so many different ways to categorize it. And there are so, it's like a spectrum. And I truly believe Mm -hmm. that. And I don't think that we can, you know, universally say what privilege is and what it is not in a certain way. So we're going to um, kickstart this conversation and we're going to have the whole thing on different forms of privilege. So I hope you enjoy. Okay. So first things th- first, I think it would be interesting if we start by um, kind of outlining the type of privileges that we have mm-hmm. as, as, you know, as individuals. Um, and just to be clear, having privilege doesn't mean that an individual is immune to hardships and that life mm-hmm. is absolutely easy. 
but it does mean that they do have an unearned, the keyword unearned benefit or advantage that that gives them a certain, you know, leg up in society. Yes. I think um I think there's so many layers of this. Like there's very, you know, evident privilege, including socioeconomic status, um, country of origin, language, or ability or you know what I mean or absence of disability um but there's also you know absence of trauma in childhood is a privilege because mm-hmm. it's like it's not like those that have had childhood trauma deserved it or, or like you know what I mean brought it upon themselves yeah. it's kind of like I didn't earn it but I have it like I you know what I mean if, mm-hmm. if that's the case for you because yeah. they're benefiting from not having all of the setbacks that can really affect all of the other things. Mm-hmm. It can affect learning. It can affect, you know, um, blending into society, making friends, the development and the b- developing brain. It affects everything. So let's talk about what privileges that we hold and, and how we've benefited. I can start because <laughs> um, as a Black woman born in Canada, I have um, the privilege of being born in Canada and not, you know, not another place in the world where being born a black woman is akin to being a crime. Like, thank you, Trevor Noah, <laughs> born mm-hmm. a crime. But mm-hmm. it's, but it's um, because Canada is a melting pot and that it's already very multicultural and diverse. I am born in a time that I, that is amazing. Like, I don't feel like, I know racism exists. I've experienced discrimination, but I just don't feel like it follows me as loudly and and in, and it doesn't inconvenience my everyday life as much as it may somebody born in a different part of the world or in a different time. So I definitely think that being born in 1989, <laughs> a black woman is and living in Canada right now is a major privilege that I hold, even during the Black Lives Matter movement, um simply because I as a Canadian, like the our our laws on guns are completely different. Mm-hmm. Like as a Canadian, I am not the most oppressed group because there's somebody below me, the Native Americans. And I'd love to talk about that in a different episode. So I have that privilege of, one, not being a Native American in Canada right now because they're the ones that we're walking, we're marching the streets for. They're the ones that, whose videos are being flooded um, because of, you know, like a smashed, a smashed taillight or an expired license plate. They're getting beat bloody by police. And they're the ones that are currently in, you know, they're the ones that we're marching the streets for. They're the lives that matter in this, like they're marching Black Lives Matter, but it's like a symbolism against the police. But anyways, my privilege for being that, being, being in Canada right now is huge. Um, for having the language abilities I have, I speak French and English in a country who's whose main languages are French and English. So all of those government jobs are mine, basically. <laughs> and it's been, and I've profited from that and it's been amazing. Um, what else? I, my socioeconomic class is very good as well. I, you know, working for the government and you got that pension plan, you have the salary, you have the, I have a two car, we both have cars in my household. Like I feel pretty privileged in many, mm-hmm. many ways. And as somebody that's worked in international development, um, and i've I've lived in third world. I've seen like the level of impoverished that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Like children in the street begging you for food at one a m when you exit the bars. Like 
I, I see privilege all over when I look around yeah. in my life. Let's just say that, especially in comparison um, to what I've, what I've seen in the field in my, in my work. So yes. Oh, also I'm quite beautiful. If you haven't noticed. And <laughs> you are. As well. Like, that is I true. Guess, yeah. It's weird, right? But it is mm-hmm. a privilege as well, especially in a society that tends to um, trust. We mm-hmm. tend to trust people that we find more physically attractive. We tend to listen to them more and, and it's just easier to like accept them and into, into spaces. So as I've never, I haven't received a lot of flack for like, you know, not minding my business because mm-hmm. I never do. <laughs> I haven't received a lot of flack for like talking to strangers. In fact, a lot of them come to me. Like I don't have trouble making friends or meeting mm-hmm. people because, because I bring them in because I have this like big smile and I'm like, hey, I'm friendly, come on in. And it's mm-hmm. like, my life has been pretty like hunky-dory because of it, because I've always been told that I was beautiful and I've always been encouraged to keep smiling by strangers. So imagine having a bad day and having a stranger be like, smiling beautiful you have a, and it's just like completely mm-hmm. transformed like it's yeah. like the whole world conspires to like making to uplifting you so that's like the difference of like being born quote-unquote beautiful as mm-hmm. far as like the standards go you know what i mean i have yeah. like trouble keeping weight on and that's like a perk you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. it, it's like nothing i chose i didn't earn it i earned mm-hmm. this ability but it's like i've never been able to like gain weight and it's like, oh my God, you have the ideal body type. I've modeled. Like it's, it's, been, it's been a place of privilege for sure. Unearned for sure. Definitely. And I think it's so good that we can actually be in a p- place where we can be grateful. Because I think in modern discourse, people are so pent up on the elements of lack of privilege that they don't sit and think, actually, in these areas, I am quite privileged. So for mm-hmm. me, in um, in terms of my race, I'm a white woman, so I have never had discrimination based on my my skin tone, and I can admit privilege in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also managed. I'm in a society where I've um, managed to have a started from the bottom. Now we hit outlook, <laughs> and I have managed to get myself up from foster care, um, which was a place of e- extreme and probably one of the least privileged positions you can be in 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 what the Western world. Um, to where I am now, and uh, I work for a law firm. You know, I'm quite cozy. Um, and I'm really proud that I actually have done that, but I'm also privileged in the sense that that's a possibility for me. Social mobility, although very, very difficult and it is not easy in the West, it is a possibility. So there is privilege in just having that as a possibility um, and being able to work your way up if, mm-hmm. you know, if you can. Um, but that's the other side that trauma is also a massive lack of privilege that we've both, we've both faced that we will talk about mm-hmm. um, later. Um, but being brought up in a, in a, in a free world, um, essentially not philosophically free, but in a, in a free world, it's, it's gives me massive privilege because I could have been brought up in a country where as a woman as well, especially I wouldn't have any rights. Whereas I, I have, I can vote, I can participate in democracy and I can, and I can, get a job equal to a man. Okay, sure. I think the, um, the rate of pay compared to the man's pound is 82 pence in the UK, but it's still something, at least I can get paid in, in the UK as a woman and I can have the job I've, I've got. So I'm actually really grateful for those privileges. Um, although I do also understand the lack of privilege that I came from. And I always talk about sort of analyzing 
everything through the lens of foster care because I do think that some of the most disprivileged is that a word unprivileged underprivileged <laughs> you will figure out in this podcast that I just make <laughs> up words and that's fine so the one of the most underprivileged people um in the west are children in foster care I mean it is such a lack of privilege to not have a single parent who's ever loved you and to have to teach yourself love and I think that that's something that isn't spoken about as much in modern mm-hmm. discourse when we talk about privilege and we talk about class and social structure, you know, I don't even think foster care children really make the conversation, at least not in the UK. I don't know how it is in Canada, Cass. Um, Um, I think it depends on the circles you're in. Honestly, when you study international development and you're around bleeding hearts, you meet people with passions, right? You meet people with like their area of advocacy that they're really crazy about. And I've, and I've met somebody that is all about reforming the foster care system in Canada because of the injustices and, and the ability for people to go into unsafe homes Mm -hmm. and the, the inability for them to report set homes because of the way in which the reporting was done it kind of like protected the the the, you know Mm -hmm. the um assaulters at that at that point because they didn't ever have an opportunity to speak without them being around you know what i mean so lots of changes have been done because people have spoken up um for for the rights of children in foster care Do, do you agree though that they are the some of the most disadvantaged people in society oh yes especially in the in the west um but if you think internationally like at the alternative like like i said like i was just blown away by the amount of like babies and toddlers like tugging at your your heels Mm. after you you after night out at the bar to get you to buy something from them like whether it's cigarettes or whatever and their parents being there so they're tired and crying yeah and their parents being there like go do it they can't say no to kids so that's the situation where like if if they had a, a system for for children aid, for example, they'd swoop those kids up real quick. You know what I mean? So in that situation, mm-hmm. globally, the fact that there is this foster care system at all is a privilege. But I do understand that when you're looking at your regional situation and mm-hmm. you're comparing yourselves to people that aren't in foster care, then obviously yeah. it it is definitely um, a disadvantage and this is definitely an area of privilege to not have gone that Absolutely. way right and I think globally is such a good point to bring it up on the international scale because it's something we really want to talk about today because I strongly believe that it's a massive merit of privilege that you can even discuss privilege yes um, yes especially in certain countries where you know to do so as a woman would mean the end of my life yes. or you know, you, you don't even have time to think about your privilege because you're running from bombs or you're running, mm-hmm. you know, you, you literally are sh- struggling from a famine like in Yemen currently. Um, and I really encourage anyone who's listening to this, to please donate to what's going on in, in Yemen. Um, there are so many petitions circling the internet. Please, please, please do what you can because the media will not talk about it. Absolutely. And that is a mark of privilege that we don't have to run from famine and we don't have to endure that. And I think that the fact that we can, we can even have this conversation today, Cass, is a mark of privilege. Absolutely. The fact that we have the audacity to call our, to put the word taboo on the name of our Mm -hmm. podcast is a privilege. I definitely recognize that. And for those that don't, don't know what's going on in Yemen, 
Don't worry. We got you covered, honey. We will cover that this topic on another day as well, because it needs to be spoken about. And the media is not doing its job, basically. It's no longer giving us the information that we need to see about the world. Um, so we have to, uh, we ha- I think a lot of it is lack of awareness. The fact yeah. that atrocities can continue to happen and we get sort of protected by, by the media and by our governments is, is a privilege as well. Some people don't have the, the luxury of being protected from such atrocities because it's happening right outside the front door. So I definitely agree with you there. And um, it's an interesting thing to discuss because um, in the thick of the Black Lives Matter movement, I think a lot of rocks have been thrown specifically at white privilege mm-hmm. um, because it's something that people of color do not have, that I do not have white privilege. I like I I don't even if white people come from all over, like especially in Canada, we're like there's no such thing as a white Canadian, mm-hmm. right? So but they never get asked where they're from. They never get doubted. Like if they say Canadian, that's it. That's a good answer. If I say Canadian, it's like, no, 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 no. There, you can't be Canadian. I, I see your brown skin. Like, where are you from from? Like they never have to have yeah. those like awkward conversations. And, and I think the white privilege thing is, is very buzzword, buzz news right yeah, now. It's absolutely. very, a lot of people are bombarding and really putting the hard iron fist on Mm -hmm. white privilege. So um, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Tell me where you stand. I'm uncomfortable with the notion of white privilege, and that's probably because I have it. Um, it, it, You know, I do believe that, you know, I I haven't had discrimination based on the colour of my skin, and I am grateful for that, and I think that I am definitely trying to create more awareness within myself of that as a privilege. Um, however, I have—I think it's the philosopher in me who just needs to analyse everything critically. I cannot mm. take anything as an absolute. I pick it apart. Literally anything. I'm honestly the worst person to hang around. <laughs> the sky is blue. Is it? Is it really blue or is that just the language? Honestly, mm-hmm. it's a nightmare. But mm-hmm. with this whole white privilege thing, I'm thinking then, you know, a lot of Jew- the Jewish population are white. And would we call them and their history particularly privileged in those circumstances? And then I also think that in certain terms, so for example, a foster care child um, in comparison to a middle class black person. I, I do understand that the, the privilege is that, that at least the foster care child would not be discriminated against in that circumstance. In that way, in that in specific that way. way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. However, to say that this is there's this overarching universal white privilege in all circumstances, in all cases, I think almost ignores certain countries' history, like the Jewish population, and there's also, you know, really complex relations in South Africa. So to 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 make a bold statement like that. I think it needs to be sort of analysed in a better way. And, and I'm hoping there'll be a better term created somehow that would sort of go down the line of you're, you're privileged in the sense that you mm. will never face discrimination based on your skin tone, which more people should read more about and appreciate and be grateful for. However, you know, should we attack people based on their, on their white privilege and make them feel shame? Uh, that, that makes me uncomfortable. And I think I and I agree. I think there's um all sorts out there. And we spoke about this. And I don't, I know we don't want to focus on this, mm-hmm. but there's all sorts out there. As far as there's always going to be the people that are just enraged and attacking mm-hmm. people in the name of justice, and they think they're doing the right thing. Um, 
as far as white privilege goes, for me, I think the biggest way in which it showed up in my life, not only like people being like extra curious about my background and who my and like questions like, are your parents together? Because there's a stereotype that like, you know, all black people don't have that. And um, it's just, it's being able to work in corporate, work in government jobs and going to these conferences and being the only black person there. Time and time again, going to conferences with thousands of people and being the only woman of color in the room and having no one bat an eye at that, having no one be like, this is kind of weird. Like, it not, it's not very representative of the population, the greater population, but nobody asks questions when there's absence of whiteness. However, or when there's absence of blackness, however, if it was the opposite and there happened to be all black people in a conference in Canada, it, they'd start out, they'd be like, whoa, whoa, where are the white people? Like, where are the Canadians? Like, where are the, you know? And um, I, I just think white privilege is more like this, it's, it's very strange because in one sense, I, I think, you know, especially the government should have a, represent, a representative um, for every piece of the population that they have within the, you know what I mean? As far as demographics go, just to not have brain drain, just to have a little bit of representation because it matters because it gives mm-hmm. people hope and, and um, it, it helps broaden your perspective of things that, may, that you may be blind to. Um, like, but in an, on another hand as well, I do, see the, I do see it kind of going out of hand because mm. Black, um, black specific, and I, and I can't even speak for all black people because that's not how it works. And I feel like a lot of times, especially when I'm the only black person in the room, that's what that's the job I end up getting. It's like, what you know, what about the black community, Cassandra? And it's like I get singled out for like speaking, yeah. but it's like because I'm the only one there, and then the only perspective that they can possibly have because no one else is there to back me up, and and it's just um. It's a lot of pressure, and I, but I do see its limitations because living in Canada, where we're very progressive, we're very inclusive, we're very diverse um, and multicultural, I, I do see issues when, when you start to think of, for example, culture, cultural practices that, are, that, are, that happen abroad that are being brought into, into Canadian soil that are, you know, against Canadian ethics, against Canadian human rights. But it's the same idea. It's the same idea as like, why, why should we draw a line here? Where it's like, we, we, want, we want to be comfort. We want to be comfortable and have, you know, more familiarity in these spaces. Why should we draw the line here and then exclude this part here? Like, it's like picking and choosing the parts of the, the culture that we want to adopt, basically. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm making any sense. Yes, you are. No, absolutely. But to, to what extent is that just going to be sort of an evolution through history? And I think what fascinates me, and it's not to just, I also agree there needs to be better representation of, you know, all forms of people, all kinds of people, all races, all class structures, mm-hmm. um, genders, um, sexuality. There needs to be more representation. I agree. And it's, and it's failing in that regard in so many mm-hmm. different ways. However, I do think that when you're in a country, there is a majority and a minority mm-hmm. always. Like I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go to China and move to China and then be like, oh, I'm underrepresented here. 
because of course I'm going to be underrepresented there. Do you, do you kind of see what I mean? Like I it, 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 it's difficult for me because I think I that do. there is, you know, there's a majority and there's a minority and that doesn't make it right um, in terms of, you know, discrimination and indirect discrimination, but, but, but also it's, it's just not had enough time yet to, to equal out. And I think that mm. trying to rush it is going to do way more harm than good because change that's made rushed rather than naturally is problematic. It's like, it's like if my partner was to say to me, right, I'm going to break up with you now if you don't change this, you know, I would, I would superficially change it because I didn't want him to leave me, but those patterns will creep back up. And I think this mm. is what's going on right now in the world, force being forced to make everything and job positions more representative they're just going to find new ways to discriminate because mm, that is how capitalism them. works and it's not because mm. they they people you know we always say you know you you can't fix anyone you need to be the one who decides you need to change it's the mm-hmm. same for companies they mm-hmm. need to think wow this is a problem let's change it rather than okay right i'm going to lose all my money if this is if this is not changed right now now I'm going to change. It's superficial. And we're breeding superficial people, superficial companies, and it's going to have a nasty backlash because when something's not genuine, when change is not genuine, it's not lasting. Agreed. Agreed. But for change to become genuine, I think, I think a nudge in the right direction helps. I think policies do help um, because when you think of things like the very controversial term and, and practice of affirmative action that's that works specifically to diversify workspaces, specifically to, uh, to you know, make sure that there's at least one or two people of minority backgrounds mm-hmm. represented in, in any given job scenario or any given, like, um, when, anywhere that there's recruitment, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not asking you to pick somebody that's not qualified. Yeah. So there's also that piece there that's like um yeah and it's definitely complicated and it's difficult with America, Britain um and colonial nations because in those circumstances it's not someone's choice that they've gone there. That has been an awful product of history when they haven't had the choice and I think that's what makes it it's history that makes it way more complicated, you know. Um and it makes it a, a much larger problem because you know what do we expect if we have brought people over and then we start complaining? I think that's a massive problem and that's why there needs agreed, to be more agreed. representation. Because even, even in the example, you're, you're like, if I move to China, I don't expect yeah. to be in. But it's true, but some, exactly. A lot of us, I, I don't happen to be born here. However, there are a lot of people of color that are born in Canada yeah. and they have been brought in historically. And they, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They are Canadians through and mm-hmm. through. They, they're like, fully culturally assimilated, but still there's that diversity piece that lacks and still they are treated like other. And even being born Canadian, you you still get asked about your background because you know what I mean? You'll still be categorized as like the other. So I do think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But it also happens just within, I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but uh, in the UK, we are still extremely tribal. You know, we started off at little, little um, tribes and we're before the Romans came. And, and we're still that way. Like, for example, where I come from in Essex, every single person who meets me and I say that I'm from Essex will say, oh, we can't no. all have it all. Or, oh yeah, it's a bit dodgy. You know, someone will make a comment and they'll be like, oh, you're right, babe, which is like an accent thing from that area. You know, it, it, people are always going to have stereotypes, mm-hmm. 
forms of discrimination. You know, mm-hmm. if I, I had to change my whole voice for my career because I could not have my original accent. Because, because it wasn't respected. It's not respected and it's not professional. This accent right now, this, I don't know where this comes from, but I, I grew it. <laughs> yeah. so, because um, you've had to. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a certain, you know, there is, there is forms of discrimination even within, you know, countries themselves. Absolutely. And I think a large part of that, to bring it all, rain it all back to privilege, is the biggest problem with privilege, which is class structure. And that is, that is how, I think that affects all other forms of privilege. That is the root. You know, poverty is the root. It, the, the fact that there is the richest 1% that own, you know, more than millions and millions and millions of the poorest people, that is shocking. How we're ever going to, you know, dissolve all the other issues that we have with privilege whilst that's still the case. And it's not even like it's, you know, it's slightly unequal. It is completely unequal, even reflected in education where you have private schools and and then the poor kids have to go to a worse form of education and they have to get free education and then they're Mm -hmm. discriminated based on their background when it comes to job applications. And I think that if we do not turn the conversation to class, we're never going to understand the roots and we're going to continue attacking the symptoms and all the other forms of privilege that stem from that privilege. I love your plant analogies, first of all. Thank you so much for putting it that way. That's very true. And I do, I do want to add something like the, the other um, common denominator in all of this privilege disparities, um, I believe, is, is the human condition. It's, it's, how, it's like intrinsically... I love how Jordan B. Peterson puts it. It's like nobody wants to be on the bottom of the barrel. So it's even like the oppressed people oppressing the peoples. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, right? It's like, it's like the people that have the most racist, for example, the most racist experiences that I've had, like overtly racist, like it's like, whoa, that was like, wow, that was really intense, um, have been from other immigrants of Canada for other visible minorities of Canada that just happened to not be black. So they made sure they stepped on my face on their way up because they didn't want to be on the bottom of the barrel or, you know what I mean? There's like even a hierarchy there and it's like the most intense resistance are right at those fringes, right at the borders, like where, where like if people can be white passing, I I spoke to a, a friend that's Jewish and she um, she came out with like light colored eyes and she like keeps her hair blonde, dyes it. And she's just like white passing is a protection mechanism from racism. And, mm. and her family's like all like has been dyeing her hair blonde since that she was way too young to have it done because, and it's just been, I didn't, I've never even thought of that. I'm just like, wow, even you're hiding from right. Like, it's like, wow, if you, if you don't think you can hide from racism with that skin, then like, <laughs> like good yeah. luck to me, you know, yeah. but it just, um, it really brought things into perspective. I think at the, even beyond the class thing, I wonder where it comes from, where it stems from this Evolution. need, this need to, mm-hmm. yes, the first this need to always them. like calibrate yeah, and always like, measure yourself to everyone that is around you. It's like, it, it's like the laziest form, mm-hmm. the laziest form of, of like a superiority complex, right? It's the la- it's yeah. like, if you can categorize an entire population as unfavorable 
and you can be above all of those people, then it's kind of like, cool, good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Without knowing yeah. them. Because Michelle Obama says something I love in her book, Becoming. She says, it, you, it's hard to hate from up close. You can't hate from up close. So getting to know the human being behind the, the black skin always makes it a little harder to continue mm-hmm. to be racist. You know what I mean? Like I'm a friendly giant, but I always make a point to be like, hey, like just to show you, like when yeah. people tell me things like, I'm so surprised that you're mm-hmm. so kind, like so nice. I thought you'd be meaner. And it's like, I know. But then that, but that, that's also, that's not all just for race. Like I get told, wow, you're well-spoken from someone from Essex. Like, yes. you know, th- th- there's, there's these microaggressions all around, depending on your yes. social class as well. Yes. Um, and I think that that's, that's a massive issue. Um, you know, there's, there's constant uh, people that find out that I'm from Essex and I'm doing a law degree or I did a law degree. They're like, Whoa, I would have thought you went into beauty management or something. You know, you get assumptions mm-hmm. based on your appearance as well. There's mm-hmm. everyone's always going to make assumptions because people naturally want to put you down so they can feel better. Um, and that's very much within our evolution. Like the first rule of Jordan Peterson's 12 rules is um, stand up straight with your shoulders back. And he develops that because we evolved in some, in some way we're similar to crustaceans. So lobsters, which is why there's this massive meme going around with Jordan Peterson and the lobsters, which is just so funny. Um, oh, and, I never understood that. Yeah, yeah it's because they, we, if we look into the evolution of lobsters and they're quite similar to us, even to the point that if you give lobsters antidepressants, they will become less depressed. Like these are tests that have been done, but anyway, they, they have a similar hierarchy. Um, and the way in which they, they, they seek hierarchy is very similar to the way in which we do. And Jordan Peterson essentially says that hierarchy is so inbuilt into our evolution that it is, you know, creating new hierarchy is still a hierarchy, you know, yes. power is made from power being taken as John Mayer said. And, you know, if we take away discriminations in in some areas we're just going to discriminate in others like it doesn't the discrimination doesn't end it's just you know taking power away and it's like equality is a very very noble aim however you know if we take away power from white men and give power to black men there's still a power shift and all we're doing is creating a new hierarchy. We're not dissolving hierarchy. We're not smashing hierarchy or patriarchy. You know, we're just, we're just shifting it. It's strange. So what is, what is the potential solution then? So we've spoken about the problem and our, our tendency for hierarchy and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and how, it's very, how it's disparity can really affect people. Like imagine being automatically against the odds just because you're born in a certain part of England like yeah I know it's unbelievable absolutely it's unbelievable to me but it happens everywhere right it happens here as well Mm -hmm. it's because the government in the UK I don't know if it's Canada's actually uh, famous here for being way more progressive than us but in the UK due to inequality basically the government only cares about London and then in in rural areas and in bigger cities up north they are neglected quite a lot so um, and that's how their voices are missed rather than just overarching you know, population of London, which is considered a lot of people think that UK is London, which is a massive problem because it's not. And then when people are ignored and not cared about, you get things like Brexit. So Brexit was not a surprise to me whatsoever, though that was a reaction, a natural reaction to feeling 
like they have no privilege whatsoever and they couldn't talk about their views because they're not listened to. So they took it out on the ballot box. And that is, in terms of human behavior, that is so natural. Um, But when we talk about solutions, it is extremely difficult because it obviously, as always, needs a societal shift and also an individual shift. We need to dissolve victim consciousness and this belief that the world is against us because sometimes yeah, it is. And, and I can say, I used to think that because I was a foster care with, with learning disabilities, so that's another underprivileged to add to my belt, um, woman from Essex, been brought up on council estates, which is the American equivalent of the project, you know, in and out of council estates. I had about eight different homes growing up before I got put, put into foster care. Like, you know, all of those things that adding to my lack of privilege um, bucket And I hated it. I thought the world must be against me. And it wasn't until I started reading and realizing, actually, I can really turn that and make something more powerful out of it and and become something of it and, 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 you know, really reinvent myself that, that I've been able to put myself in a position of privilege, which is possible. So, but it's only possible if we believe it's possible. So it's a really massive, massive, massive initiative you have to take individually it's hard pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but what, what's the alternative sometimes? Like, what, what is the alternative? That. I hear that. It is hard. And, um, and sometimes the alternative is non-existent. Mm-hmm. Or like, I think leading with empathy always leading with empathy and to get an understanding of the individual experience because blanket statements do harm people in the end and nothing sucks more than not having your voice heard we all want empathy towards our challenges and the issue in discussing privilege is that the individuals who have lots of privilege quote unquote um they they also want to be acknowledged for what they're struggling with. For everyone wants their struggles acknowledged. In fact, everything I've learned about parenting um, with my blog and, and Fit Nerdy Mom is, is that feelings just need to be validated and seen yeah. from get-go. If, you, if all you do when your baby cries is try to shush him, you're going to create problems. Like mm. You can't even do that. Like you're not, your goal isn't to stop the crying. Your goal is to address the problem, why they're crying. Your goal, yes. your goal is to see them and acknowledge the feelings, you know? So I started even telling my baby, like, oh, you're upset. I see you. And the crying subsides. The tantrums, like, I hear you. I see you. You're really upset about this. All I have to do is acknowledge the feelings. And he even, like, and it gives them the words as well to, for, to express the feelings. He, like, repeats after me. He's like, yeah, upset. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's beautiful, right? But I don't think that goes away. Mm-hmm. I don't think that goes away. It doesn't only build, help, uh, help us um, develop, you know, help us develop this, this reassurance and this, this, self, this sense of self that is strong mm-hmm. and, and on a really solid foundation. It helps us continue on with that same solid foundation. So anytime you invalidate anyone's hardships, you are yeah. one, dehumanizing them because... Mm-hmm. They need to be seen as well. Absolutely. Even if they happen to have less hardships than somebody else, it doesn't mean that those things don't exist. Mm-hmm. So I don't like the, I don't like the like, I don't like the hurt people hurting people and poking at people's mm-hmm. wounds. Because at the end of the day, everyone has wounds that can be poked at. And that's not the point. In, in, it doesn't in address the issues. Yeah, absolutely. But in, in 
and sorry to interrupt you i i i just want to talk about no. this before it evades my brain but in modern society there's no scope for that in, in social media there's this massive trend you know oh white people we're not saying that you don't have problems you know it's not about you and it's like how, that's not empathetic and i'm not i don't read that as empathetic and i think that we're struggling with empathy because we're only seeing the empathy that we relate to and that's not really empathy you need to be able to put yourself in the other person's shoes entirely even if that's difficult and i think that's what we're really struggling with because not everyone's going to do that because you know and and it's going to create more lack of empathy creates lack of empathy and and that's what we're seeing hey i do see some messages like that but as far as that's how social media trends work it's an oversimplification of anything yeah. when something becomes a social media tr- trend it gets diluted because for it to appeal to the masses that means for it to be become a trending topics if you look it up hashtag white privilege has like four million people that use that hashtag yeah. in the last two months cool but when four million people four million times it gets shared not all of those people are one educated, two mm-hmm. empathetic, or have the ability to empathize, and three understand. Yeah, took the time to understand what it means. Some people just saw it as like, you know, an opportunity to jump on a bandwagon and and leverage themselves as a person of color for once. Some people are really using the Black Lives Matter movement to express their the amount of repressed rage and hate that they've been experiencing all of the times that they've had a racist occurrence happen to them they're really really like spreading the hate like wildfire almost therapeutically so and and they need and these feelings need to happen and the problem with social media is that it gives everybody a voice and is that a problem you know what i mean it becomes a problem when everybody's voice isn't informed isn't kind and isn't genuine. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not, we can't guarantee that with people. So when some, something becomes a trend, I think it's inevitable that it becomes diluted and peppered with absolute nonsense. And I don't think it's fair to, to really, to have that be representative of an entire movement. Those, no, those, I agree. Even if, it, even if it is trending, especially because it is trending, because of how human, the human condition works, especially because it is trending, I think, there's there's danger every time something goes trending there's danger because of the way it gets diluted like Mm -hmm. the say their names think about how if you've ever lost somebody close to you think about how how traumatizing it could be to 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 see their names so much say their names it can be empowered like it, it is um is a way to kind of commemorate those that have died at wrongfully at the hands of the police, but think about somebody that's grieving the lost life, seeing right. their names and seeing their face everywhere and seeing all these stylized images everywhere no, just brings point. up mm-hmm. so much pain. How are they, like grief is forever and think about it, if your grief and the person that you're grieving coming up again and again and everyone's encouraged to continue to shout their names, it's like, okay, like let the person rest in peace. Like as somebody that has lost someone close to them, I think that would be my personal version of hell. You mm. know what I mean? So I think some, there's always something that gets lost when things go trending. And I don't want you or anybody to be turned off by the underlying 
under like the reason why it even came to be because i feel like it's the game of telephone that's being played and something is bound to get lost there something is essential got lost there especially if 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 it becomes a shame more shame is my least favorite my least favorite um feeling because it's dangerous it's dangerous it's volatile it's and it can and it can manifest itself in dangerous ways that that are unpredictable people the way that the body processes shame can come out as like mm-hmm. you know bringing guns to school and shooting everybody who knows what happened like dylan or and the other kid um from um what am i thinking columbine um and that technical school where they they brought guns to school and just shot they were bullied they were they were made to feel, be, feel shame for being who they were and then you know what i mean that's like symbolic of the effects and the power of shame and how it can really consume and possess the mind into doing horrendous things. I don't think spreading shame is safe for anyone, nor is it wise for any movement. I think all movements need to really focus on unification. And when you start dividing the people, you're really starting to take out the ammo because l'union fait la force divided we we rise and and separated we fall and i strongly believe that dividing people real people um are separating are are turning allies into like the opposing team yeah. because you are not accepting them everything they do is wrong you're not accepting them and i do think it becomes a problem so coming <laughs> pivot no, that was really beautiful. Some amazing points I'm there. So, so thank you. Don't be sorry. Never be sorry for your incredible brain. <laughs> Never apologize. Understanding the relativity, relativity of privilege. Yes. For instance, like I'm right-handed. And in turn, I have never been forced to write from a desk that is not fitted for me. Did you ever even think of that? Did you ever think of the way that we yeah. slide into desk that yeah. accommodates the my, my part, person? My partner, yeah, my partner's left-handed, so I, so I do. So you hear his struggles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also another one, which is really random, um, my, my brother's ginger, so they get bullied. Yes. Which and and and, and having you no know. souls. Where does yes. that even come I don't from? know. I think it was probably a meme that went wrong. But but you what know, you know, these memes are crushing the people. No, exactly. That's why I want to dye my hair ginger, so I can be like, ha! You will never. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Take Find the soul. beauty. Yeah, exactly. Find the beauty in the things that you. The, the areas in which you lack in privilege and kind of a great tip is to write down the things that you're grateful for and your mm-hmm. privileges, look at them back and then write down as well, the things that you're underprivileged in. And I can assure you that, you know, the list of privileges when you're in the West, I know probably like going to be longer orientation. The fact that I am heterosexual, mm-hmm. heteronormative yeah. is huge. Like mm-hmm. I will never be denied, you know, even last week, um, Trump had like, in the U.S., something was passed that allowed people, medical professionals, to refuse services to transgendered people. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me right now? Like, they can't even go to some doctors that they feel like it's against their religion. Like, when religion yeah. starts to, you know, like, that, that, divin- that religious and states, like, they are always toggling. It's always like, no, we need our rights first, religion second. No, religion goes first. Like, when you get to places where the religion of the majority starts to really bleed out and ink mm-hmm. out on everybody else, everyone else's napkin, whether I'm a religious person or not. The fact that I'm heteronormative and it goes, it goes with the majority's religion is a privilege. 
And I'm not, so I'm not saying, the point I'm trying to make is this. Uh, everybody's identities are nuanced and intersectional. Yes. You know what I mean? Some of, like, so it's, it's easy to get defensive when discussing privilege because everyone's afraid that the discussion will talk about ways in which those with privilege aren't allowed to speak. You know what I mean? It's like, you're a free woman. You can't speak for women that are being oppressed. You don't know what it's like. You were born of privilege. And that may very well be true. But if I'm, as a woman, with the ability to empathize, which is a very natural, very human thing, if I can't even speak up for women because of my privilege, then who's going to speak up for them? Because it's Absolutely. not going to be the men oppressing them. And, it's not, and they're not allowed to speak for themselves. Absolutely. Somebody's going to have to speak up for them. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get stoned to death for speaking no. up for women. So I'm going to use my privilege and leverage my privilege to give a, give a woman a hand. As a woman, it, it's really near mm-hmm. and dear to my heart. And, and I think it's, there's a reason that human beings have the ability to em- empathize. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a really um, incredible tenet of Stoicism and Stoic philosophy where they they think about the most drastic and awful things that can happen to to be more grateful for the things that, that, that do eventually happen. So, you know, another thing that I try to practice when it comes to privilege and gratitude is think of the worst case of lack of privilege that you possibly can. And put that into your head. And, it's, and it is morbid, but it works. It makes you so much grateful for, for what you do have. Like, I will, I will never have, because I have dyspraxia, I will never have spatial awareness. Like, that's something that I just do not have. I have, like, I don't know where... This two-meter rule right now for the quarantine is awful for me. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have no idea what two meters <laughs> is at all. Um, so, you know, and, and, and I used to think quite badly of that. And I was like, oh, why me? Why me? But actually, when I think about that, I could have had even worse or more problematic disabilities. It makes me more grateful for the one that I have. So when we think about on the individual scale, exactly as you say, we need empathy, we need gratitude, and we need to really be able to think about what it is that we have rather than what it is we do not have. And that can really center us. And then in regards to solutions for society, what do you think, Cass? I could do a whole spiel here on um, class and and inequality, but I'd love for you to take the forefront. Ultimately, I think that in order for us to move forward as a society, um, from a space of marginalization, people need to confront their privileges and recognize them. And also recognize that inequality helps no one. So as global citizens, which is something that I am proud and loud about saying that I am, um, we all have the revolutionary ability to transform the political, economic, and social environments by recognizing that injustice creates societal imbalances that negatively impacts other people, even outside of our groups. We are, we, being aware of your privilege is huge because it will allow you to leverage it to help another. Yeah. Dismissing somebody else's hardships is never a good thing. Dehumanizing somebody else is never a good thing. It's never a good thing. You can turn an ally into an enemy over your inability to see them. I think it's important to, to recognize that privilege has many, has many forms, some, some that are superficial and some that are deep, deeply rooted. I, either way, um, I don't think pointing fingers at each other 
um, and, and, bl- and playing the blame game. You know what I mean? Playing like the privilege games, like you yeah, have a couple more tokens work. than I. I don't think it's productive. I don't think it's productive because yeah. at the end of the day, it's all, it all comes down to and boils down to the way in which you use that privilege. What are you doing with it? Are you using it to step on the faces of others that are already below you? Or are you using it to uplift them? You yeah. know what I mean? Are you speaking up for people? I know... I know there are so many actors that speak up about this. So many actors that are like, we need to do better. There are no people of color in this room right now. In an interview, this woman just boldly says this. We need to do better. Ellen, Ellen, that's her name, Pompeo. We need to do better because there are no people of color in this room right now. And we should be ashamed of ourselves because there, I know so many beautiful people of color that would love to be here, actors that would love to be here. It's not that there's no Black actors. It's that they're just not here right now for some reason. Was it an oversight? Who knows? Yeah. But we need to do better. So when you use your platform and your privilege is a platform, and when you're able to use that privilege to speak up in the name of others, that that is the sweet spot we should all aim for. Instead of pointing fingers at like, you know, other people, like, you know, how many rocks do you have? I have a couple less and that's why you're terrible. (laughs) I don't like that. I don't think, I think it's barbaric. I think it's more, it boils down to how you use that privilege. And um, so with this movement, the people, the Black Lives Matter specifically, I've been really drawn to people that have taken an approach that unifies because I am of that approach. I do believe that, you know, we need each other. Nothing, no, nobody can thrive in isolation and we do need each other in order mm-hmm. to progress in life. So yeah. that is Absolutely. my biggest solution is to use whatever privilege you have, because you do have some, to use it to uplift somebody that has a little bit less or that doesn't have your specific yes. privilege. How are you helping others? Because if you're out there pointing fingers at the privileges that other people have that you happen not to have and trying to demonize them, you should also throw yourself in that list because you're because you are worthy of being demonized in that with that same frame of mind because because you're just as wrong as them if you're accusing them of something that they have and they're not using for good what are you yeah. doing you know what i mean so instead of pointing fingers let's 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 start to take that internal shift that and and look internally and see how we can then tread tread more lightly and be more aware and 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 use our, our superpowers Absolutely. to help others. I love that. That was so beautiful way to end. I just want to say as well that shifting to global empathy is so important. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I've already brought up Yemen, but, but, you know, these are really people struggling that have no privilege at all. So we really, really want to encourage anybody and we will put some um, charities that you can support at the end of this as well, because that's really important to us. Um, and also when it comes to society, you know, class structure is a massive problem and you know Mm. please try and get inside the system to change it um i work in law and i'm trying my absolute best in human rights law to overturn unjust laws you know there are ways to really make a difference but you know you need Mm -hmm. to be the change you want to see in the world as gandhi said you know you need to do that and that's so important that you do that and don't say oh because of my lack of privilege, I can't get in this job to change things. That is self-handicapping. If you believe you can, you truly can. And, you know, there are so many great examples of that. You just need to find them. Um, so yeah, to end, I want to end on a, um, a French proverb. I'm going to say it in English because I can't do French. And then Cass is going to say it in French. So there's a great French proverb, which is uh, to understand all is to forgive all, which in French is... 
pour comprendre tout le monde, il faut pardonner tout le monde. I'm not sure if I'm saying it as the proverb is meant to be said because French <laughs> is poetic, but that's roughly what it would that say. That sounded um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I inc- so in conclusion, thank you so much for listening to Illuminating Taboo. I encourage all global citizens to reflect on the privileges that you do have and the privileges that you don't have and extend this conversation to your friends and your family members to build this world that is focused on equality and fairness. Like we need to start lending out that hand. Mm -hmm. We need to stop looking at what we don't have and only focusing on what we don't have and the privileges we don't have and wallowing. That doesn't serve anybody. How can you serve yourself? How can you serve others? How can you use your privilege to serve others? And, um, I am so grateful that you're listening to this podcast on Illuminating Taboo. May we continue to speak about the things that people are afraid to speak of in the name of justice. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Have a great day, guys. Bye for now. Thank you. And that is the end of our episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned something or considered something new. I know I certainly did um, during this conversation. Thank you so much for listening. And we really hope that you've joined the conversation and continue it on our Instagram. So we want to know all about your privileges and the ones that you can admit to having that we didn't even mention because there's so many. Um, And we're trying to make this conversation brighter than it currently is. So please join in and find us on Illuminating Taboo and our website. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.